Listeners, after a two-week hiatus, welcome back to Lost in Postulation. I am Neil Fitzpatrick, and I am joined by, for the first time in recorded history on this podcast, a father. I'm joined by a guy who has a son. It's Nicola Volpe. Well, here I am, wiping the rust off, uh, wiping the pee off, because uh, I'm routinely getting peed on now while changing diapers, and uh, it's just, just part of the gig. Bodily fluids of all kind. All kind, I invaded. can confirm. And yes. uh, there, there's been an evolution over two weeks as well. Yeah. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure it will continue to evolve. I'm sure yeah. existing parents are listening now, nodding sagely, yeah, just laughing at what's to come, probably. And some, you know, humble bragging and, and patting on the back. Uh, from from myself fantastic not about my kid but about me yeah yeah i'm getting the diaper change down to under 30 seconds it's like a formula one pit stop at this point it really is and yeah. i i was actually thinking about writing the ioc mm. votre ami de, de l'ioc yeah. Uh, yeah. to uh, to include it diaper changing in the olympics because it has everything high pressure yep. you have a kid crying at you threatening to keep peeing on you <sighs> right in front of you yeah. you need technique that diaper needs to stay on and speed. You bring all of these things together. I think we got an Olympic sport on our hands. Would you classify it into singles and doubles? Like, because I think both both <laughs> oh, events have okay. yeah. yeah. Like with two parents hands on, it's like okay, who's doing what? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, you've got so someone a team doing the, and a singles event. Yeah, like singles and doubles yeah. in tennis. You know, I think as thing. we grow the sport, that's definitely an avenue to pursue. I think sure. also what we need to do is we need to differentiate between those changing a little boy's diaper from oh, yeah. a little girl's because the yeah. little boy can get very creative in terms of uh, exactly. his rebelliousness. Yeah, 100%. Uh, as I found. I yeah. can only imagine. Yeah. 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 Well, wow. There you go. That's uh, my, my first nugget of wisdom as a, as a new parent. More to come, Collective I'm sure. groan from the audience. Absolutely. More to come. <laughs> I think bring it on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's a brave absolutely. new world. Here we are, podcasting yet again. And listeners, we love to hear from you. We've kept hearing from you. Keep coming in. Lostinpostulation at gmail.com. Instagram at Lost in Postulation. We do have an X account. I need to get back to checking that. That's mm. at In Postulation. Um, our friend Elon might kick us off soon, though. So who knows? If you listened to the podcast, we'd already be gone. So put probably it that way. right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just for for not towing the party line. We tell it how it is. We are rebellions, rebellions, rebellious uh, podcasters. If not yes, now. rebellious podcasters. Exactly. Uh, still no endorsement from the Saudi PIF. We're keeping it that way, I think, for now. Yeah, yep. for now. Yep. Exactly. So, no, you know, uh, we, we do this for you guys. Exactly. Uh, and since we do it for you guys, as you know, we already have two podcasts under the label. This mm-hmm. is the flagship, Lost in Postulation. We have a Hussman FC for the football soccer nerds. And now we are looking to expand in other directions. I think we are. I think we've talked about it. And what we've realized is we've learned a lot over this almost a year now of podcasting. Uh, not only in terms of audio quality, and I'm sure listeners would agree if they listen back to the early episodes versus now, we've oh. we've uh, sharpened the saw, we've learned a thing or two. New right? listeners don't start with episode one. Yeah, well, I mean, well, there's great content. It's just, yeah, you know, the quality is, is what it is. Mm. But um, what we've also realized is we have a passion for it. We enjoy it a lot. And uh, we would like, and we think we would all benefit from working with more podcasters, share the wealth, share the knowledge in both directions and learn mm-hmm. a bit from each other and help each other to grow first and foremost. Like we... Uh, if we love podcasting and we're enjoying it so much, it is a very high chance that anyone else who's doing it feels the same way. So I think that was the, the thought for today was if you're somebody who has a podcast, maybe an early stage podcast, a bit like ours, or if you don't even have a podcast, but you have the idea for a podcast mm. and you're thinking, I've always wanted to do my five hour deep dive 
on the board game industry. I, I, I'm picking the first thing that comes to mind, but hey, well, that's like will join podcast. you for that one. I'll probably I'll sit in on a few episodes for sure. But uh, just let us know. We'd love to hear from you through the usual channels we just mentioned. We can work with you on how to get set up, get it started, um, and also see what we could do together. Yeah, grow Absolutely. as one. Absolutely. Yeah. Listeners, write that in lostinpostulation at gmail.com as your initial, you know, solicitation. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. And now let's postulate, Neil. Let's bring it on. So I believe, Nicola, you have brought a mundane. I've brought a mundane. uh, And it wasn't just the diaper changing to the Olympics. You, well, Neil, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've, you've recently lent me this wonderful book, hey. which I'm showing to those watching us on video now, which That's is called, one. Okay, Let's Do Your Stupid Idea, by, by Irishman Patrick Frayne. Uh, I'm almost finished with it. I've really enjoyed it. Good. I think it's very David Sedaris-y vibe. So yep. you really hit the nail on the head in terms of what I like to read. Good. Collection of short stories, bit memoirish, you know, but funny, funny. Yeah. You're yeah. laughing out loud type totally. of funny. Totally. Uh, the title already says it all. Um, your copy of the book, and I've been, you know, paging through it. And now I just wanted to to ask you uh, a couple questions. Uh, it's not necessarily a quiz, but oh, no. do you, do you see what this is? Uh, it's, it looks like a bookmark. Yes, yes, a bookmark, Neil. A Uh-oh. bookmark. Did I leave that in? Um, no, you didn't. Oh, okay, good. Uh, and I'll tell you why you didn't. Uh. Because there are creases every 10 pages in this book from someone who has been dog-earing the book, and I will not stand for it. Let me explain. I see where you're coming from, and I am guilty of dog-earing. I knew it. The only uh, mitigation I can offer is I'm not the first reader of this book, right? This has been given to me also. So that's why it's like every other page. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because I I thought you might have drawn the conclusion falsely, (laughs) not correctly, that I'm a a 10-page-at-a-time reader. And I would like to set the record straight that I'm not a a 10-page-at-a-time reader. But you read those 10 pages deep, if you do. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm rereading sentences. I'm taking notes, definitions, dictionaries, you name it. it, If I was ever to do that. But no, I'm not um, so... If social media has not so crippled my attention span that I'm... Uh, resorting to 10 pages at maximum. Yeah. I am making progress. The print as I is also pretty big on this one. It's, yeah. You fly through it. That yeah. is true. Yeah, it's an easy read. Yeah. It's not quite The Hobbit, you know? You, you don't have no. like a 40-page intro describing the various yeah. dwarves that are visiting uh, in this case, no. So I think that's... I'm glad you asked because I got a chance to uh, set the record straight once and for all. all. Right. I, however, I will admit I am a dog earer. You are a dog earer. Yeah, because I'm just like, who cares? Like, oh, it, it's who paper. Cares? Okay, yeah. It's paper. Yeah. And it works. It's, it's a great trees. It's a great system. I'm not destroying the book. I'm just slightly folding a page down. Mm. And especially with a paperback. Like that that's something that I mean, this is a book made to be thrown in a bag, you know, brought on the holiday, whatever. You know, it's it's not this this particular book is not like, you know, the Shakespeare complete works hardback tome. And I would I would probably hold You're not back. dog ear that too. I mean nah, don't no, no. There so I would hold back. Would you that. not dog ear a hardback? But you do a paperback. There are certain books that I wouldn't. I read a book um, called Lincoln in the Bardo, hardback, mm. that had such a, I think it was by George Saunders, and it has such um, majesty. It had such a, an aura. gravitas, the mm. book, you know. Just also it being a hardback, it had a kind of a mm, right. heft to it that I, I thought that I would be disrespecting it if I was to dog ear it. So okay. I see, I, I'm totally with you. It's just that, come on, like when it's this, I mean, would you dog ear a magazine, for example? You, if you if you wanted to come back to a page in a magazine, no would magazine, you? I'd leave folded open. Okay, also, but then you only get one shot. What if you wanted to dog ear multiple post-its? Post-its. You're just you're just <laughs> resisting resisting at all costs here. It, it's yeah. my grandfather. 
when my mom was little told her all for dog earring books and then that was passed down and it's unacceptable in our house Hmm. to dog ear books i'm i'm probably gonna pass it down to my son now i can imagine okay what i I will go i'll meet you halfway here and i'll Mm. say there are some scenarios where dog earring is not acceptable number one is when it's a borrowed book i would say which you borrowed this book, didn't uh, you? Original. Oh, okay. uh, my mom actually gave it to me, okay, and uh, I was like, "So your mom is the original dog ear?" Yeah, and she's of guilty this. of dog ear. I, oh, see, this is where I get it see from. everything runs in families. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's conclusion number one here. For, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I would say if it's your own book or like one that you've been given, and it's like work away, then it's dog ear time. Uh, if it's a soft, if it's a paperback, it's dog ear time. Mm. Um, and then I will also put in some exceptions there. So if if it's somebody else's, if it's a hardback, if it's like a historical book we had actually an early printing of harry potter and the philosopher's stone signed by jk okay. rowling okay and that is also one for you know amazon slash ebay reasons i would you know probably not uh dog ear that one Keep collector's it in, in, item yeah. yeah don't know where that one ended up actually it's somewhere in our house uh, at home in yeah. Ireland. philosopher's stone in, a, in the u.s that was called the sorcerer's stone I yeah think. and yeah. unfortunately we all know exactly why and it's like there's no getting around it like it it was because you guys don't know what a philosopher is uh or at least at least i think that's what the publishers were doing they were like is that what it was actually uh, i mean philosopher is a very hard word if you're not if you've never you know finished high school i would think more people know what a philosopher is rather than a sorcerer Sorcerer. this day and age i think it was maybe i'm wrong i think it was a mistake i'm with you i think they should have kept it consistent because in the book it's called the Philosopher's Stone. Like, as you read it, it's not like they control F no, the word philosopher okay. and changed it. Yeah. It's just the title of the book. Okay. The Sorcerer's Stone. Okay. Yeah, I think. But then uh, all the movies and everything, they stuck with philosophers. And uh, Did yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure. Ooh, shit. Mm, yeah, maybe that, I shouldn't. Um, it's too bad we can't get JK on the podcast because she doubles us too woke. Yeah, yeah. She is famously difficult to pin down now uh, yeah. for podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, but Only certain types of yeah, podcasts. Not ours. No. Hopefully. <laughs> if she ever comes on, we're doing something wrong. Sorry to say. Definitely yeah. not. Definitely not. But do you buy, just on the topic, because I'm very intrigued by, by mm. your reading habits here. Mm-hmm. Do you buy hardcovers? If you, if you have both side by side and mm. say the same price mm. in, at the airport bookshop. Oh yeah, almost never, yeah. Because I never buy hardcovers. Yeah, I'm paperbacks I, all the time. I've had some terrible experience with hardbacks. You know, if the little the little flappy foldy thing on the outside, as you're reading it, yeah. that thing goes all over the place. And yeah, yeah, it gets really, I hate that. Yeah. Some people use that as the bookmark as well, the little foldy uh, yeah. exterior part. Yeah. So no, if I had a choice, I would go softback all the way. And these days, it's Kindle all the way. You're a Kindle guy. That's oh, true. Yeah. I forgot that. I've never yeah. managed. I read maybe, I don't know, 25 to 30 books a year, all paperback. And I've mm. never managed to gravitate towards the Kindle. Yeah. The reason I think it's such a game changer for me is the I need to minimize the gap between I'm ready to read now and reading. Because that's a fleeting, for me, a fleeting yeah. moment, you know? Yeah. Like uh, last weekend, I, w- I had a few hours free and I was like, actually, there's this book I want to read. And... I, I then realized myself, I was like, damn, I better get this book now in the next like 10 minutes or else I will lose the, the interest. And I'm yeah. like, I'm hardly going to bring myself out and get it. So yeah. I did. And then I read it for right. a good while. So um, I guess that's the moral of the story. Like strike while the iron is hot, so to speak. Very nice. And for the traveling, because what I find is sometimes we will travel maybe, I don't know, when it's like a long trip, three, four weeks. Mm. And I'll have, you know, four 
thick books in the suitcase, which then means you can't take other stuff because Disaster. you've got weight limits. So, no souvenirs. Yeah, there yeah. I could see definitely the benefit of that Kindle. I read it, but my thing is I read everything else electronically, everything mm, else. Maybe it's good for so a So that's break. kind of my only like oh, yeah. screen eye break. You're right? hardly alone. I think there's a decent subset of readers still today who are like swear, sworn off the Kindle for life. You know, they're right. just like never, yeah. never getting an e-reader. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Oh, no, as, as a parting shot of this small segment, mm. Will you or will you not dog-ear the book that I lent you? I haven't. So that one okay. I have used a loyalty card from Hiko Sandwich. to uh, Bringing yeah. it back to our sponsor, Hiko 100%. Sandwich, across the street. Yeah, because I'm showing respect, you know, as, yeah. as we often say. It's all about showing respect. It's not my book. I can't deface it. I can't, uh, can't vandalize it. I so you'll be getting that. that one back with pristine pages all the way through. And Hiko appreciates that too. 100%. Yeah. Then I'll start using it as an actual loyalty card. So uh, Yeah. Yeah, you're still going there often. Huh? I'd say once a week. Okay. Oof. Yeah. Well, for listeners that don't know, we've had mundane discussions about the power and the acceptability of the sandwich. Neil and I land on opposite sides of that, and eventually we will be recording yeah. some sort of episode from Hiko Sandwich. That would be good. Yeah. That would be an, a new challenge for me from an audio quality perspective, but I'm <laughs> I'm willing to I'm willing to embrace that challenge. We might need yeah. to compromise on a few things. Neil, mm. on that note. For those of us watching via video, you yeah. can continue to listen to the rest of the podcast in audio form on a podcast app of your choice. And for the others, we'll be right back after the break. And listeners, welcome back once again, and welcome to our main postulatory segment of the episode. Bit of a deep dive today, and it's a topic that we have brushed next to I would say, Mm. multiple times in this podcast history, in multiple ways. We've talked a lot about accents. We've talked a lot about different languages, language groups we've talked about. But what we've never really done until today is what I'm going to call a deep dive on language. How do you feel about that? I love it. Right up my alley. As Spike would say, my cup of tea. Absolutely your cup of tea. As a linguist, I would say you're you're probably... Amateur. uh, yeah, but I would still say, I, I wish I had the stats for this, but I would say that you being a fluent speaker of, what, four languages or at least three? Yeah, by American standards, probably fluent in seven by European standards, yeah. maybe three to four and exactly. a couple good and then one would, emergence. Surely that puts you in the top, like, I don't know, 2%, 5% of linguists worldwide, you mm. know, I would say. Let's be, hope. Yeah, I'd let's hope. be, like, let's, let's, let's own this, you know. Yeah, let's, let's I'm, not, I'm not quite at your level and we'll get into it, but I still also... I'm someone who fancies himself as a bit of a linguist, right? Yeah. That I like to learn languages. I like the sound of languages. And fascinatingly, a late bloomer oh, 100%. to that game. Yeah. I did not really... I, I was crap in school at languages, pretty much. And it was only when I left Ireland in, you know, 10 years ago or something that I that started learning English. French. And I was like, oh, yeah, that my English came on leaps and bounds <laughs> once I left Ireland. No offense to Ireland. But in any case... We're going to get into it here in various ways. We're going to talk a little bit about multilingualism mm. and some uh, some aspects of that that are quite interesting. Some recent research, recent-ish, I say. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit, if we can, about the difference between speech and language. And one mm. particular topic that is a bit of a bee in my bonnet, or I have a bee in my bonnet about, so to say. Beautiful. And then we're going to finish on a bit how languages sound. And can we guess languages based purely on their sound? Which will Love be fun, it. I think. But to start with, I wanted to do some quick-fire questions. Three quick ones. I'm going to ask for your answer. I'll give you mine as well. Okay. Just to get the ball rolling. Uh, and we, we've touched on the first one. The first one is, which languages do you speak and what level do you speak at them? So, English I dabble in. 
Uh, okay, English, Italian, Spanish, fluent. Hundred percent. Yeah, you can uh, you can debate something in Parliament. You can. Yeah, yeah, you're you're yeah. good to go. Don't yeah. think the parliamentary bar is very high, but also yeah. Um, Danish up next. You you could say colloquially fluent. Like I, you can. Survive. I have everything I need, like yeah. to speak with my in laws, etc., and mm-hmm. stuff. And mm-hmm. I understand when my wife is talking to the baby, although those might not be the most intellectual conversation. Perhaps at the moment, not. Right? Perhaps He's two not. weeks old. Yeah. Um, then German and Dutch, good, but out of practice. Yeah. So that's six, and then French emergency purposes. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. So seven, we're saying yeah. seven are on the radar, and three of which are exactly in the in the baller territory. Yeah, I'd that's say four. four, four in the four baller. In the baller Let's territory. say four in the baller, and then the others out of practice. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, nice. And then my quick answer is obviously, as a native English speaker, that has stunted my language linguistic progress massively. <laughs> let's be honest. But regardless, uh, second up for me is Danish. I would say so. Have put in the years of of classes. Mm. Have actually gotten to a decent yeah. level. But am I fluent? I would say no. I still have those frustrating moments out in the world where I try, you know, I have the interaction, I say something, and the person comes back with like, I'm in danger. That for one thing, but then also they ask you a question directly, just yeah. like, yeah. and you're like, um, yeah, sorry, man, can you, you know, and I just, it, it's heartbreaking every time, but yeah. That, that was one. the big thing in my Danish classes. Once yeah. we got to like, you know, upper intermediate and got mm. to like the conversation classes, and mm. everyone's like, yeah. Everyone in this class understands me, but I want to f- know how to speak with a Dane yeah, without which is a having very to speak different, a different ballgame. Yeah. And you need a lifetime of Danish, I think, to really nail that. But It, it is jumping from page to tongue, yeah. I'd say the most difficult language. Yeah. Definitely of the ones I've learned. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And especially colloquial, group dynamic, high pace. Oh man, forget about it. Yeah. But anyway, so that's that's probably my strongest. And then I have two, what I would call dormant languages. Mm. I don't know if this is really a phrase, but it's like, uh, the the Portuguese and the French that I l- had when I lived there right. was I would say like upper intermediate right. and of course it's just laid in dormant ever since yeah so uh, unfortunately like não me lembro nada em português posso falar um pouco oh mas, but the problem is that like I quickly run out and yeah. then in French as well like I was in Belgium recently trying to talk to a taxi driver <laughs> and just hitting brick wall after brick wall being like oui mais uh, je pense que uh, je, you know just a lot of that you know yeah. But uh, still enjoy those languages and wish I was keeping them alive. But yeah. it is like, it is a, it's a, a saw you have to sharpen, you know, or else yeah. it goes, That's uh, sadly. And then I do have a bonus couple of languages at the end. So Irish, we do it for 18 years in school. Yeah. But... Uh, never use it and also I would say basically dead dormant in my head and I have a little bit of bonus Lithuanian so I have ah, that's right it's coming along now Yura is patiently patiently coaching me through it uh, and I can say the basic things now I can say uh, you know Ash I got I'm going to eat um, okay I like that if we want to leave a party without you know people hearing us discussing that we can say enam, which means like we go let's go I like that a little bit of uh, a little bit of Lithuanian a secret there. language between too bad uh, all the parties you go to are filled with Lithuanian people oh, quite often yeah. yes but then uh, <laughs> then they're right there with us they're like yeah, yeah enam, let's go <laughs> it's not the party okay so that's our language is spoken uh, another quick fire well actually that wasn't that quick fire but anyway here's a they real another quick fire what's your favorite language to speak of the ones I know yeah my favorite of the ones I know is ah, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about it that way. And favorite is a very broad term, but 
I think yeah. Spanish. Yeah. To be honest, because the thing about the Italian and the English is, I was brought up bilingual with those mm. two, so yeah, I didn't so. have to learn either of those two. Mm. Um, the Spanish was the first language yeah. I started being schooled in mm. uh, as my, you know, foreign language or yeah. whatever, yeah. and that's the one I have the most fun like tapping back into. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. From my side, I still think it's Portuguese, actually. Weirdly. Portuguese is cool. And it has a lot to do with the year I had living in Portugal and yeah. the way I learned Portuguese, which was meeting up with a teacher twice a week and we yeah. would go for coffee and just chat about our yeah. lives, basically, which I think was just by far the best way to do it. And her way of teaching, shout out to Henriqueta, actually. She was she was awesome. Um, her way of teaching was like, if I ran out of road on a sentence and was asking her like, okay, uh, how do you say blah, blah, blah? She was like, I'm not telling you, you figure out, like find, yeah. find your way, you know? And so I, instead of saying like wheel, I would have to say the thing at the bottom of a car that it stands on, you know, like I would really right, have right, to, right. but th- that was her forcing me to find pathways through the language, you know, which was really, really cool. You should always, I'm a big proponent of learning a language mm. in that language. Oh, 100%. And not, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, here, let's do it in English and then I'm going to throw a few words mm. in that language. We'll get to yeah. it. We'll get to it later. Yeah. But uh, a lad who agrees with you is Steven Pinker, actually, who's a, well. a huge believer in how learning languages, language acquisition is just part of our evolved yeah. DNA. Immersion. It's, it's not a skill. It's not something we need to be taught. Your parents don't sit down and every every sentence they say, they go like, this is a phone. It is a f- telephone. Right. They're literally just like, here's the phone, take the phone. Yeah, and, yeah. You, and you as a baby go, oh, phone, that's a phone. Right. You know, anyway, yeah. long story. And actually, yeah. I'm going to go back one little thing yeah. that I love to speak because it just brings back so many memories and it's such a funny language. Mm. Swiss German. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. grazie Grazie. Herr Fitzpatrick. <laughs> yeah, you have, yeah, I've noticed yeah. that year. Was it one year? <laughs> it was one yeah. year I spent there. It felt but like the, 25. Exactly. I was the yeah. same in, in Belgium and Portugal. That, exactly. that year really sticks with you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, been, uh, also in the... Uh, oh, in, in Belgium. Belgium oh, yeah. We mix the Flemish and the French. But no offense to Belgium. We love you. We know you listen in your droves. So, yes, uh, thank absolutely. You. Thank you for that. Please keep doing that. Um, and then final question. What would be your ideal target language to learn? One that you don't speak today. I think I would want to now go different alphabet. I yeah. want to I wanna go for the big stretch. So mm, I, whether that be Arabic or mm. that be Russian or, you know, that be some, some Far East Asian language, I would want to go make the big leap now because yeah. I have a lot of Indo-European languages at the moment, right? Yeah. And yeah my marginal returns on that are very minimal at the moment. Um, So I would want to go different alphabet. Could also be Greek different alphabet. I was actually very intrigued when we were on holiday in Greece twice this year Mm. in terms of I just, I would start saying a few words and like there, it's very different from, for example, Spanish and Italian, but the Greeks are very similar to the Spanish and Italian. So Mm. the way you speak also with the gestures and stuff kind of bridges it. Mm. So I'd say something different, different uh, alphabet, maybe Arabic. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. I think for me, it all comes down to what experiences will this language unlock for me, Mm. you know, beyond just the sound of it and how hard it is. Like, wouldn't it be amazing to go to a country where zero English is spoken? Because that's, to me, the biggest problem with Denmark is that they all speak bloody English anyway. So it doesn't matter if you speak Danish because like, they'd be like, I see you're having trouble with Danish. Should we switch to English? And yeah. like, no, 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 no. Like, I want to speak yeah. Danish. But I would love to go to a place where that's just not an option. And I get to interact with a certain demographic of people who I would otherwise in my life never have met. Correct. So then I'm like, Chinese could be cool, Japanese, yeah. something absolutely mad. But then I think I would have to live in those countries to really learn it, most likely. I think that's the big thing. If you, if you want to 
if you want to really go deep. And what we always say is you can learn a language well being removed from the day-to-day reality, Mm. but not in a functional day-to-day way, right? Because you miss out on all the slang, the cadence, all the the tricks. Big difference, big difference, yeah. So I think that's where I'm at. I'm like something like Japanese or Chinese, something that would unlock those countries because having been to Japan a couple of times now, there's only so much English they actually speak, you know, beyond the tourist areas. So I think that's, uh, that's me. Lovely. So those were the quick fire questions just to get our get ourselves orientated a little bit mm-hmm. and up and running. So without further ado, I'd love to get into a little topic of multilingualism. Yes. Now, and you know all about this being a multilingual child mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. an English slash Italian upbringing. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to check, do you know actually, or have you read much into the effects of multilingualism on cognition, on decision making, things like that? Just anecdotally, mostly, not into the actual data. Yeah. I've always assumed things about it. Rightly or wrongly, but it turns out rightly. So this is still a pretty active area of study, and we're still understanding more and more about this. But interestingly, beyond the basic benefits of multilingualism, which are many, and those are things like better problem solving, better memory, more creativity. Mm. It delays the onset of Alzheimer's. Uh, In general, it, it, it unlocks a greater cultural awareness versus people who yeah. only speak one language. So those are all the established and, and accepted benefits. But there is one very interesting benefit that was only studied as recently as 2014. And I wanted to run this by you just to see if it scans with your own experience. Mm. So uh, Albert Costa, an academic from Argentina and a group, carried out a study in 2014 on multilingual people where they posed the classic trolley problem. Now, maybe some of our listeners don't know what the trolley problem is. So just in a, a very quick summary, there is a big train or a trolley careering down a path and on one path there is five people tied to the tracks and there is a possibility to intervene where only one person will die, right? That's mm-hmm. the trolley problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and therefore what do you do? Because fully rationally, of course, every time you would intervene to kill one person rather than five, right? Mm-hmm. However, uh, there's a variation of this trolley problem that this study used. So imagine the same scenario except now you're on a bridge above the track mm-hmm. and there's a big huge let's call him a fat guy uh, on that bridge okay and he's totally fine he's chilling he's not in danger but you have the possibility to push the guy off and if you do you will save the five people that are down on the track okay it's a very different problem very different problem however already now we're getting into an interesting phenomenon because i just told you that in english right mm-hmm. and this study found that if you're told that exact same problem in your native language or your second language, the likelihood that you will take action and push the guy is higher if it's in your second language rather than your first language. Hmm. So the point being, and I'm going to ask for your for your take yeah. in a second, but uh, the, the point, first of all, being that this study has established pretty clearly, there was quite a delta between the two groups, mm-hmm. that consistently people make more rational, but also a little bit more tricky decisions in their second language than in their native language. Yes, yes, okay. So coming back to the problem, where do you first of all stand on this? So trolley problem, you can push the guy, where do you you land? I think I push the guy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like either of the choices, but I think I push the guy. Very rational. Uh, Very rational. I think think there is something to what the study said Mm. uh, in terms of your first language is by definition not your rational language. Exactly. It's the language in which you first received love. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it will always be linked to a more emotional, etc. side of you. Mm-hmm. Whereas 
your second language, or in my case, what would be then the third language, which which I learned, right? Because yeah. the other two came together, is more formulaic. You're learning it scientifically. You're learning rules and stuff. You're not learning by doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as such, your 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 brain link to that, I guess, mm-hmm. is the the rational part of it. Exactly. That was the that was what they theorized at least right. from the study. What they said is. Uh, your native language is more linked to emotional decision-making, i.e. gut feelings, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe there's something to be said for that as well, that if we think in our native language, we're more likely to get like that gut feeling about somebody or something or some situation yeah. where it's like, mm, this doesn't, something's off about this, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas in your second language, you're less likely to get that full body feeling about a particular topic. Right. And then the other possibility is that your native language is more strongly linked to childhood and early memories, as right. you say, right? So if we put ourselves in this specific situation of pushing the guy, uh, maybe you are more attuned to hurting someone else or, you know, being a bad person or whatever right. in your native language yeah. versus if it was pitched in a, in a non-native language. Right. But right. it's super interesting. And the, there's a... There's one little implication to consider, which is if you compare the UN or the EU, for example, where almost every person in these organizations is working in their second language, right? Versus, say, US politics, right? Where every politician is working in their first Mm. language. Mm. And we've seen, we know how divisive and polarized American politics is, and I'm not saying this is why or anything like Mm. that. But it is interesting to consider, what if a similar group of people who were similarly politically affiliated right and left were challenged with making the same decisions in their second language, would they reach the same conclusions? I, I would assume more technocratic outcomes, more boring discussions. Like if you have trouble going to sleep, oh. tune into that day's session of the European Parliament. So insanely it's boring. It's unbelievable. And they yeah. all have their headsets on and are pretending not to understand what uh, it's... It is phenomenal. I, I have a friend, Justin, who <laughs> works in the in the EU bubble. And well, there you go. Some of, he keeps me up to date the odd time on some of the issues on the table or some of the things that are happening. It's just mind-blowing. It's, it's, all, it's all regulation. It's yeah. all how do we curtail? How do we yeah. reduce? How do we stop X, Y, Z? It's never about like, and they will say it is. They will say, oh, yeah, but we're just trying to boost innovation and make it safe. But like how many? Name one startup in the Name last... Name one Google from Europe. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Stripe is the only one. And right. they, they had to get out. Yeah. to succeed exactly. you know? so like no I think um, I'm with you on that that the yeah. EU probably suffers from this second language phenomenon that you know everyone is just extremely pragmatic and yeah. rational and you know we must do things this way and then yeah. there and we end up with GDPR and yeah. instead of fang right? <laughs> whereas if you put on C-SPAN in yeah. the US mm. Chances are, every other day, you will see some fireworks in the summer. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, right? Something a little like, spicy. They're all, yeah. they're all, obviously, they're seasoned politicians, you know? They, yeah. they know exactly how to uh, rile up the base, so exactly. to speak. Exactly. Uh, for better or worse, often worse. Well, there you go. But this was an interesting topic around multilingualism. And then That's I wanted to, to wrap it up by asking, you're now uh, a newly minted father as yeah. of uh, this month. And the question is, you, you guys have obviously discussed, there's three languages on the table yeah. for your child. And there's three languages every day in the house. Yeah. Uh, because my wife and I, we speak English together. That's the language we met in and greatest common denominator yeah. of uh, of the three languages. I want to speak Italian to him mm-hmm. and my wife wants to speak English to him. So yeah. English, that's, not Danish. Uh, sorry, Danish. Danish. Yeah, 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 exa- yeah. exactly. Uh, so that's where, that's where we are at the moment. And for me, I think some, I think we're both going to have the challenge mm. uh, for my parents, it was easy that we were growing up in the U.S., yeah. but they were both Italian. So to keep the language in the house, mm. relatively easy, right? Whereas it is so easy for me 
for practicality and for my wife now to mm. just resort to English. Yeah. Uh, so it will be interesting to see how we how we do that. Um, on the other hand, I've seen how my parents did it. So yeah. I, I, I think I have some of the tactics. But, for example, you know, when I write, I don't write in Italian. I'm able to, mm. but I can express myself and I podcast in English in a much yeah. more, you know, educated way, if you mm. will, in English. So my Italian also has a ceiling. There there are times when, for example, with my younger brother, although probably our English is better for mm. both of us than mm. our Italian yeah. overall, um, since we grew up speaking Italian in the house, he and I speak a mumbo jumbo of the two. Exactly. So we'll throw in like an English word uh, when we think that gets the point across better. So maybe yeah. that's where I end up with my son. Uh, it, it, I've well. seen this multiple times as well. Yeah. We have a friend uh, who has grown up in a Danish-French household where when you put that family together, all bets are off as to what... Like, the language is changing multiple times per sentence. Yeah. Often incorporating three or more languages yeah. in one sentence where it'll start in Danish, go a bit yeah. English, and then finish in French, you know? I think that's where we'll end up. But I kind of yeah. love that. Like, yeah. because to be honest, I'm not like a a language nationalist or whatever. Mm. I'm actually very pragmatic about it. I do yeah. all my business and everything else in, in English, as you Fantastic. know, right? So that's... But yeah, I, I also do like that, okay, when you go to to dinner, over to dinner at the Volpe Olsen's, it's mm. a nightmare of three languages. Exactly. Right? But on the other hand, it's a big gift you can give your kids. I oh, think. insanely. So, yeah. I mean, if not purely from an academic point of view, I would have right. killed for it because in Ireland, when you're finishing school, you pick eight subjects to do. Mm. And the kids who always won out in this scenario is say if they were raised bilingually and they have a French parent or uh, whatever, they just do that exam and get an A1 without even trying. Right, right. And that's just like a free pass into, they, that's the maximum points you can get from, that's one exam not to worry about, right? Right. So if you do that times three and this kid is going to do a test in Italian or English or Danish, they're just right. going to fly. They're going right. to absolutely storm it. So on that on that basis, very jealous and I wish I had the opportunity myself. Yeah. But you sell yourself quite short because mm. in a very condensed period of time, we're talking what the last ten years, mm. you learned most of all those languages. I suppose, but learned, yeah, learned. I got up and running, let's say. Yeah, but that's, and that's that took yeah. time. Each yeah. one took at least a hundred hours of classes yeah, plus yeah. the additional time. Yeah. So it's not. It was no joke. It's not like I just licked it up off the floor. No, I had no. to. I had to like put yeah. hours and hours in. And was it worth it? Only time will tell. But I suppose on paper, no. Like the ROI was hours in. 100 it's never 200? worth it on paper right exactly, because exactly. on paper yeah. if you're in the west yeah. it's really ultimately only worth yeah. it with english totally, let's, let's totally. face it right yeah, yeah, yeah. but in terms of like you said what it does for your brain and all oh, these yeah, yeah. things i think it's a oh, it's a very I'm different totally, discussion totally right? i mean i was shocked to be honest like when i learned a bit of french when i went away i was like where is this where are all these words sitting in my head because i was right. like i thought my head was pretty full of stuff but it's right. now fitting in <laughs> apparently not and then when i went to portugal i was like oh i'm gonna have to push out the french to make right. room for the portuguese but actually it, it some it found a new home somewhere else right. in my brain yeah. but anyway i think you, you could go quite a long time on this one yeah but then i wanted to quickly get on to a similarly related point also related to something you said about how you know, specific are you about language or how, how critical it is that you speak one language at a time and don't, you know. Mm. So there there is a lot of discussion on this. None more so interesting than my pal and yours, Stephen Fry. Are mm. you a fan of uh, Mr. Fry? I can I can like Stephen Fry, sure. I think he is uh, a hero. He, from a f- okay. purely comedic point of view, him and uh, Hugh Laurie have, have been absolutely 
Yeah. Influential. Dr. House, Hugh Laurie. Indeed. Yeah. This was before he took yeah. a turn as a serious actor. Yeah. The two of them had a bit of Fry and Laurie and, yeah. and a few other sketch shows, which they're phenomenal. They so don't make it like that anymore. They sure don't. But go back and watch anything of theirs if you get a chance. But Stephen Fry also, about 10 or 15 years ago, had a podcast uh, where he only released about eight or so episodes hmm. and then he took them down and they they never to be seen again. Okay. But you can still find them. So I <laughs> there was one episode on language that I always thought was just an amazing discussion around this topic and I went back and found it in prep for this episode okay. and he made one really interesting point that I wanted to uh, throw out to the listeners as well and give a shout out to Stephen but he makes a point around or, or a distinction between language and speech right mm. and he uses the French words for this langue to mean language and parole to mean speech right parole because there is a distinction because you can't just say language and language right it's like there's language which is like we are speaking English right now right. and there is that use of language over there that what that person's language is different yeah. right yeah and he makes an interesting point being that language on its own is not really part of identity like if you say I speak Italian I speak English right okay so does everyone else in your yeah. country so that's not a big deal but your speech is a huge part of your how identity how do you use it yeah and an inseparable part you can be like us accent enthusiasts you can put on an accent you can you can you know try like i can do like a north dublin accent really now you am different you know but that's fake right and right. the language the accent that comes out without uh you know any affectations or you know any any effort is you it's part of your identity mm-hmm. so it's an interesting distinction between the two however related to that you then have this legion of people inspired i think by liz truss I think her name was, who wrote a book called Eats, Shoots and Leaves. Wait, Liz Truss, the, the one that Truss. was prime minister for Lynn, 30 days? Hold on, Lynn oh, Truss. I know, I knew this was going to be a... <laughs> Lynn Truss. Uh, forget Liz Truss. Don't forget Liz Truss. Don't, she was well, I uh, don't think we can an important Liz part of our, of our history uh, our as humans. History, as yeah. humans, as uh, human beings. So Liz Truss, RIP, she's not dead, but we miss her. Oh. Uh, but uh, Lynn, Lynn Truss wrote a book called Eats, Shoots and Leaves. Right? Okay. Yeah. This came out, I'd say, in about 2004 or something like that. And it was like a, not to use this term lightly, but it was a grammar Nazi book, basically. Mm-hmm. Did you read it or did you hear about it? I heard about it, but I did not read it. Yeah. The, the point was like, um, it, it was all based around a description of a panda where it's like, the panda mm. eats, shoots, and leaves, except eats had a comma after it. So it was like eats, shoots, and leaves. Right. And then it was a picture of a panda with a gun leaving the, you know, so, yeah. and it, it's, the point of it was all about how grammar was being, uh, completely ridiculed and, and taken taken for granted and now people are using apostrophes in the wrong place right. and grammar is, is completely wrong they say 10 items or less when it should say 10 items or fewer in the grocery aisle nah. like all these things right but Stephen Fry was to ex- whom instead of to who yeah yeah to who it may concern yeah. no that's wrong but yeah. Stephen Fry made a hugely important point linked to what I was just talking about mm. about speech and identity which is that is all complete bollocks basically yeah nonsense and you I think you would agree with this that if you are understood if your speech is being understood and clear, then who cares whatsoever about whether it's mm. he is or they is or, you know, like, or whatever yeah. small, small grammatical detail with some exceptions, which I'll come back to. And I actually agree on this as well, that just let people say whatever, because language is evolving all the time, yes. like identities, like whatever, yeah. like culture. So I'm very much in the Stephen Fry camp of let people put, if there's a sign for a sandwich shop that says like uh, three sandwiches or less for this, you know, like some some yeah. some basic grammar mistake, right? Just let them do it. It's fine. People know what it means. No one's misunderstanding that, you know? 
Are you in the, I think you're in the same camp. On yeah, this I am. Yeah, I'm just reflecting on it as we go. But I yeah. think big time in terms of, for example, I would rather speak six, seven languages to an average score of, say, 60% mm. than one at 100. And yeah. then, but usually it's the person that speaks that one at 100 that goes around doing all these corrections, which nobody, quite frankly, gives a crap about. Totally. When that person comes to me, I say, come back to me mm. when you've learned other languages to even half the level I have, right? 100%. So you got you to gotta zing them back a mm. little bit, mm. put them in their place. Yeah. Um, and I think, yes, language, like that's the beauty of it is people can also be from the same country speaking the same language, mm. but living in two different neighborhoods of the same city yeah. and having a totally different cadence, a totally different vocabulary of the same language, totally. terms, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's amazing. That's beautiful. That's why it's interesting to watch, you know, uh, movies with certain actors over others, etc., mm. seeing how, how they adapt to the roles. The one place where I go a bit to the other side, though, is... If you are writing something mm. serious, mm. write it properly. Am I with you on this? I, I do mm. need you to know yeah. how to use punctuation because okay. if I'm reading it, mm. that actually influences how I read. If you're not putting in the correct punctuation, yeah. I'm going to arrive to the end of the paragraph totally winded. Okay. I'm with you in certain businessy kind of contexts like a CV or... I'm not even on that. I'm probably even after, like if you're writing an article in a paper or a Mm. book, et cetera. Yeah. There, Mm. you know, it's, it's like us with audio Uh, quality on this, you know? know? Yeah, I suppose so. That's, that's out of listenability though. Like this, to me, the audio quality thing is about aiding, listening and understanding, Mm -hmm. making it as easy as possible and seamless Mm. as possible. And I have the same approach to language as well, that if, if being overly prescriptive of language usage and rules hinders understanding like if i was to say well here's a good example right. envy versus jealousy have you heard this distinction yes I, I only learned this like a few years ago you're jealous you envy a person but yeah. you're jealous of something they have uh, or yeah. the other way around you can guard your possessions jealously meaning i'm right. holding on and you shouldn't have it right but envious to be envious of someone is to want what they have right right and, and even probably i haven't nailed the definition here and it doesn't matter the point is that is a tricky little distinction that in practical terms no one gives a, sh- a people a use them about. interchangeably yeah in exactly practice. and if yeah. someone says oh i'm so jealous of him everyone knows what they mean right you know and, and no one needs to swoop in and go oh but you're you're actually what you are is you're envious of the person yeah you we know? don't need that person exactly. at our party so my point is let's enforce understanding and let's promote understanding understandableness so if someone writes a whole sentence with no punctuation and no full stops and i i literally don't know what they're saying then i'm like dude okay you need to do a few full stops here i, yeah. I had no clue what you're talking about right but if someone is writing even just say an, a news article that was like a bit of lowercase mm-hmm. or a little bit of um dangling participles or starting a sentence with and these things or a split which infinitive. now has actually like yeah. also writing has evolved to yeah, where yeah, now totally. it's quite accepted to start a sentence with and or totally. but when we were in school oh you would be you get marked off points shot. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you exactly. would, in ireland at least but also a split infinitive this one i really have a problem with this is when for example if you say to boldly go where no one has gone before that's technically wrong because you have split the yeah. two and the go. Yes. It should say boldly to go where no man has yeah. gone before. But uh, to me, that sounds antiquated and yeah. wrong, right? That sounds Shakespeare. Exactly. Yeah. It's like in French, you should use the le sorgentif. Yeah. You should say, uh, il faut qu'on fasse, uh, whatever. It's important yeah. that you do da-da-da, but you, you conjugate faire uh, as like 
que en face because it's subjunctive mm. but nobody would ever say that in French because yeah. it sounds absolutely bonkers to, to a French yeah. person and then the French they do that thing with their numbers too which is yeah. uh, 90, right? Here, right? whereas yeah. the Belgians would just say you non-ant. know 80 or yeah. 90 right yeah. 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 and I mean that that's the breakthrough I'm waiting for in Denmark here where we still have halfems Halfjers, halfjers, oh, which for, for the non-Danish speakers, basically the word for 50 here is directly translated literally as half of five, no, ha- half of three yeah. times 20. Yeah. I could not believe this. It, it's... Uh, I got to like almost the advanced level of Danish before I figured out the numbers like memorized in my head. Because yeah. it was just formulate. Why am I doing math instead yeah. of saying the I numbers? I so much. Right? Also with Danish, what, what you will see, I think, and when mm. I hear, you know, the youngsters going around yeah. is 30% of what they say are anyways English words. YouTube. And yeah, uh, yeah YouTube, whatever, the swear words they use, oh, yeah. even our generation are in English, where Shocking. a lot of these small languages, mm. and I know, for example, the Norwegians like to guard theirs, etc. Mm-hmm. But it will get to a place where it does get eaten up to a large extent by English. And yeah. is it necessarily a bad thing? Not necessarily. You come in with mm. then this new hybrid 100%. language. However, with a huge big however, there is a role of protection needed for languages. Mm. And the only reason I say that is because I was at a, when I was in Singapore over the summer, one of the exhibitions they have is about that brief time where they were uh, part of Japan, where they were occupied and colonized by Japan just well, after. Yeah, during the war. During the war. Yeah. Where... Japanese was forced everywhere. Any mm. English was completely ruled out. Yeah. Like any local languages were completely yeah. ruled out. And they, everyone was forced to speak, learn, watch, sing songs in Japanese. And that didn't succeed in this occasion because the war ended and, and things went back to how they were. But it has succeeded elsewhere. Uh, Lithuania, for example, had its language completely banned under Soviet rule. Right. Irish people had their language erased under UK right. colonialism. Right. And it works because now here I am, a native English speaker. I don't speak my own bloody language like fluently you know mm. uh, which is really sad because the culture yeah. dies with it and as a colonizer there's a great incentive to do that because it removes the identity of the colonized right. where they start to forget who they were and start right. to be something else right so i think it is very important to protect language where possible and not to not to like intentionally overstep a language you know and no definitely but here you, you are yeah. talking about you know scenarios where a colonial power is yeah. coming in and doing away with the language yeah. and not natural migration patterns like true so. true but now let's say with with ireland we're in the yeah. knock-on effect right where right. everyone in ireland speaks english 100 percent, right. and the irish language is dying a sad slow death mm. there is some media support for it in the form of one tv channel one radio station mm-hmm. and there is a kind of an, an upswell now of, of support among young people who are trying to make it a thing and trying right. to bring it alive right but it needs more support yes. it actually needs schools to be fully in irish it needs like governments to require Irish language you know like there needs to be initiatives now yes because we yes. need to just keep it or else it's gone you know yeah. so I think that's um, that'll be very very sad the day that Irish is just erased altogether similar but, with, with Welsh at the yeah, moment right yeah, yeah. yeah and Welsh I have to say are better at this than Irish people that right the average Welsh person can hold a conversation and, and right. really speak it fluently but Irish people honestly it's pathetic especially in Dublin and I'm I'm guilty of this. Like I just am not yeah. good enough at this language that is supposedly part of my heritage. Yeah, a big part of it, in fact. Right? Indeed, indeed. Identity-wise, yeah. and so much of English comes from, or not so much, but a lot of English comes from Irish loan words and and um, yeah and derivatives. I mean, the word smithereens. Have you heard that? Like uh, he smithereens, of course. That came from Irish. Smithereens. That's okay. schmidderini in Irish. Schmidderini. Yeah. Okay. Um, lots lots of other examples, none of which come to mind. Although, fun fact: the word for rat in Irish is the same as the word for a French person, uh, oh. Francoch. Oh. Yeah. 
Okay. Is it, is it a coincidence or is it something else? You only, uh, oh. you can decide. <laughs> you but French people. In any case, we have time, I think, for one more Always. section, I think, because we wanted to get into a fun little topic about how languages sound and play a little bit of a quiz to see who can identify languages better. I've no idea how that's going to go. Let's see. <laughs> but uh, before we do that, let's quickly talk about what languages sounds like and what English sounds like. Huge shout out for you listeners to look up a song called, and I'm not going to repeat it, you get one chance. The song is called Prison Call in Enzi Nine Chuzol. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, that's, spell that's it like as good it as I could get it. It's yeah. one word, spell it like it sounds. Yeah. Uh, basically, this is a song that came out in Italy, I think a good while, like a good 40 or so, 50 years ago. Yeah, maybe. It, c- it could even be from the late 60s by yeah. Adriano Cilentano. Who is just a genius. Also a performing a masterclass if you watch yeah. him in the video. Yeah, great but dancer. What he essentially did is wrote an entire song of what English sounds like without actually saying any English at all. Yeah. But it's amazing to watch because you, as a native speaker, you're like, I think I got, oh, oh I think, I, no, oh, did he say, no? Yeah. And it's so, I wish I could do it justice myself, but he's just like, singing this like with this um elvis presley-ish kind of drawl you know and that kind of delivery but you're just like not a not a single word actually lands yeah it sounds it almost i saw a comment saying it sounds like you're hearing a song in in the other room you know you know or just out of earshot where you're like yeah it's definitely english but you know amazing so prison call in ensignatuzo there you go second time i'm gonna say you get an amazing portrayal and we've we shared a few others during the week over and back between each other there's been uh this guy who seems to be like for all in, intents and purposes like in, in the middle of nowhere in some uh, Arabic speaking country yeah. we I literally we don't know anything from yeah. the video but he then launches into being a news <laughs> broadcaster in English doing phenomenally without speaking any English at all but yeah. just saying like and the American English yeah exactly yeah, on Saturday, you know, and he just yeah. like says it in this like perfect, like, uh, yeah, yeah. which I thought was amazing without actually saying any words, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then I have to compare that with like when we grow up as kids in Ireland, we hear Spanish, Italian, French, and we go, Oh, it's so easy to do an impression of them, you know, yeah. like, yeah, exactly. like you can easily, like, yeah, it's do the same time. the other way around, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. you can't do it of your own language, no, I think, exactly, I think, which is so interesting. I had never until, of course, I knew the Chilentano song but like yeah. I had never thought about that in English exactly and with the Chintano one it's interesting because there's a whole generation of, of Italian so like my grandparents generation like mm. right after the war and like during it yeah. when the American GIs came over you know to, to liberate uh-huh. from fascism etc and then they all started, none of them could really understand what the GIs or anything were saying, mm, the mm. Americans. And then it comes out, you know, my grandfather has always told me since I'm a little kid that the what they thought was English was, one of them would ask, what's Amora? And the other one would reply, Mary Watsa. And they just thought that was, that's to them what those GIs sounded like. Wow. And it was just uh, like the song by Chilentano. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's fascinating. There's so many. It reminds me of in, in Portugal, uh, they used to call the American tourists commands. Yeah. Because that was just the sound <laughs> they made. Yeah. Because yeah, they're yeah. like, hey, come on, come on, come on, come on. let's go. And they're like, oh, there's some commands uh, coming through the town. Ta- you know, like <laughs> I love that. They lo- that's just how they refer to them. But I think without further ado, we need to get into a bit of a quiz. It's been oh, a while yes. since we did one. And what I'm going to try and do here is play it from the laptop. And yeah. the audio quality for the dear listener won't be great. But then what I think I can overlay it, hopefully. Yeah. Or just, you know, drop it into the episode so it's a bit clearer. As a master producer that you are. But you have your headphones on and hopefully you can hear it come through the mic here. And then we will both just have a guess of what the language is. Let's do like five or something and see how we how we go. Is that okay? Okay. So do we work together or? I think it'll be competitive. So we both guess and okay. whoever's right gets a point. 
if if this one is like the other one I tried, it's going to be quite hard. Yeah. But uh, let's see if we get any right. All right. Here we go. Here's the first one. Once it plays. Verkefni 3. Okay. Okay, I'm I'm in between two. Okay. First instinct Finnish. Mm. Second Estonian. Oh. I was in a similar ballpark myself. I would if I have to pick one, I'd say Estonian. I say Estonian too. Okay. The answer is here it comes. The answer is Icelandic. Icelandic. It was something Nordic. Yeah. So the cadence sounded very Finnish Estonian. Yeah. But yeah. now that I think about it, it yeah. is quite a pure Nordic language, which the Icelandic exactly. is. Yeah. What it did that to me almost make me say Finnish was the bouncy kind of yeah, like exactly. that, which is very Finnish. Yeah. But I should have known there was oh. something more going on. Let's do uh, let's do a new one. Ready? Here we go. Number two. Fijaos, ingredientes que tenemos por casa. Un poquito de ajo. Un dientito de ajo. Un poquito. <laughs> okay, I think we, yeah. we have this Spanish. one. Spanish. That is indeed Spanish. Yeah. Nice and easy. We need yeah. it. So we're yeah. on one point apiece here. Yeah, That's exactly. It. We go on to number... Uh, no, I um, by mistake, I saw the answer to number three. Ah. It was Indonesian. We weren't going to get it. Ooh, so that's tough. let's go on to number four. So the person speaking that yeah. also speaks English yes. uh, based on how they were speaking. So I'm going to say Welsh. Interesting. I know it's Irish, actually. Oh, the other guy. I didn't know. I actually didn't know that was in this quiz, but I was delighted to hear it. It was uh, close, though. That I mean, some uh, some nice wow. Irish. Yeah, yeah. nice. Uh, but you, you you see what I mean by you could tell that this person that's day to day probably speaks English. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't okay. necessarily yeah. have. I don't know if I could pick that up because yeah. I I just as soon as I heard, it, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting. One. Okay, that's a good one. So let's say it's two one. Yeah, the score two one. Let's keep going. Number, I can't remember. Uh, whatever it is, four, four. now. Yeah. Very tough. That's very difficult because you you would be inclined to say Russian, mm. uh, but you have a lot of languages that kind of sound-ish like mm. that mm. Uh, east of here. I know this quiz does not hold back as well. Like it, it isn't. It, it's not going to go like oh, but that wouldn't be fair. Like it will. Right. It will go all in if yeah. you. Yeah. So I think I would have to drop something like Bulgarian or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it could very well be Balkan. Mm. Um, mm. If you go Bulgarian, uh, I am going to go... Oh, that's tough. I know it's not Romanian. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go Serbian. Okay. Yeah, that actually could well be. Mm. The answer is Bulgarian. Get out. Get yes. out. You did this quiz already. No, no seriously. Seriously, I did not. Ah. I swear to God. Now, the reason the reason I went Bulgaria there is because I feel like I can hear Russian and I can yeah. probably hear Ukrainian a little bit. Like, just... 
just well, same like, Slavic language yeah. group. But right? this this yeah. had a little bit of like this more southern Romanian kind of Latin influence. I yeah. guess maybe yeah. that's it. I, don't, I that was just off the, the top vibes. Of me. And I think Honestly. as a Bulgarian, you can actually learn Serbian quite easily. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. And all of, I mean, a Croatian person w- who would call their language Croatian can understand a Serb, no problem. Well, so. it's, it's fun because when yeah. I w- we were in Belgrade and we were getting like a, a tour of the city, they mm. were joking how like all of a sudden in the 90s, yeah. everyone overnight went to speak, being able to speak yeah. four languages. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was Serbo-Croat and <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. everything else is a, is a mess. Let's do number five. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. I need it. Here we go. Here it comes. Visita sa kampo sa kapulisan at ang ikanak karong taon-taon. Kagahapon formal nga sa DOH sa Central Visayas nga nagsabak ang babaeng nataptan sa Zika virus dito sa Cebu City. Parang karong gimuntor ang pagsabak sa babae. Si Del Israel, gigan sa Cebu City, alam sa detalye. Del? Oh, That's brutal. Um, <laughs> it really tricked me because I thought we were going European for a bit and then we had a few little syllables where I was like, oh wait, no. Exactly. The, the, the accent, I thought could have very well been greek in the beginning exactly and then somehow in my head i came all the way around to farsi yeah um, yeah because yeah. i i thought i heard the word israel in there but i don't think it was hebrew. it wasn't hebrew exactly because that has a lot more <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. much more guttural yeah. um it's not arabic i actually think you might be on something with farsi yeah if it's Greek, I'm I'm out. Uh, I think Greek sounds w- even more like yeah. Spanish or Italian. And I didn't hear ohi or yeah, yeah. any of the like basic yes and no's in Greek. So, but why am I saying farty and not mm. Urdu? Or yeah, like, exactly. I mean, what the if hell? It co- if it comes down to that level of detail, then, you know, then we were never going to get Farsi. It. Farsi. I'm going to lock it in as well. Okay, whatever. It's Cebuano. What is Cebuano? Instant Google here to find Let's out. Let's fact check Cebuano, this. Cebuano, also known as Bisayan, is a major language ah, of the southern Philippines. Okay. Oh, come on. Get out of here. Spoken natively throughout Cebu province, Bohol. How do you not know this? Uh, in, yeah. <laughs> One of the 300 languages of the Philippines. Well, 22 million people speak it. So about five times the number that speak uh, Danish, for example. Uh, <laughs> That's insane. Shocking to think, isn't it? Yeah. Should we do one more? Yeah. How are yeah. we doing on time? Are we, I are mean, we I love the game. Over? Yeah. Let's, let's, we have time for maybe two more. Okay. Let's wrap this up. Here's the next one. Okay. I love how you just start nodding your head. I actually, no, I, I think this, I, 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 I have a radius now of about 2,000 kilometers that I think I know where it falls. Yeah. But, if I didn't know yeah. any better, I'd say he's like cutting every other word off. But yeah. Yeah. He's um, something Asian. Um, so Indonesian was already gone. Mm-hmm. It's not Malay. Could be Thai. Could be Cambodian. Vietnamese. I'm going to go Vietnamese. Okay. I was going to go Lao, like Laotian. Yeah. And well, I, only because of the vibes. Because I've been to Thailand the, the and vibes. it wasn't, this wasn't quite Thai. I think, <laughs> no, it's not Thai. But it had Thai vibes for sure. Okay. You go Laos, I go Vietnam. Yeah. The correct answer is Khmer, i.e. the language they speak in Cambodia, I believe. 
Khmer, yeah, yeah K-H-M-E-R. Also called Cambodian, yeah. Wow, uh, I could have had that. You uh, were so close, both of us were, but smaller numbers of Khmer also live in southeastern Thailand and in southern Vietnam. So, okay, you, so I think we give so you... We give I, you I, I'm going to take the point. Yeah, yeah, okay, I think I'm so. I'm going to take the point. That puts us on 3-2, Okay. Believe. Should we do one more, which is the decider? Or like, winner takes... Or, or I send it to a tie break. Yeah, in, yeah. in fact. Okay, yeah, let's, let's try it. There's a few more on the, on the video. Okay, here comes the, uh, the next one. Well, I have an answer I can lock in. You're going to lock in Japan, aren't you? I am. I'm also going to lock in yeah, Japan. It's Japan. Yeah. There's a few, if you've been to Japan, there's a few yeah. phrases like when you end a sentence with des, exactly. that means it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, that was an easy one. That was Japan. Should we do last one then? Yeah. This the is truly the last winner one. Winner takes all. Winner actually takes all. Here we go. Um, I'm going to go back to oh. my old workhorse for the second time. Welsh. Lock it in. No. Chimru. Oh, sh- oh, now I'm panicking. Pled Chimru. Do you think? Up the Welsh. This feels more like European, like... Uh, oh, no, I'm panicking now. Um, I don't think Welsh, and I'm going to let you have Welsh. I'm going to lock in like... Uh, mm, lat? No. Ooh. I don't know this, honestly. It could be Baltic. Yeah, no, but it's no, not Lithuanian but you know for Lithuanian sure. And, it, and it's not Estonian. No. But it just felt like kind of butch almost influence. Mm. Um, I'm going to go with something odd, like... Um, let's go Latvian, just for the... It's a small for, language, for, for sure. Yeah. The correct answer is... Welsh! Welsh! Chibru! <laughs> up the Welsh! Oh, yes! Oh, no. Oh, I, I think the Prince of Wales himself. That was a dramatic comeback there. Oh, what a lame... Three but apiece. Again, I yeah. had the feeling this is an English-speaking person yeah. doing this language. Mm. And uh, and then, because the way she said Thomas, she said mm. Thomas. Okay, in the like, English style. Yeah. In, I should have known. Yeah. God damn. I think, yeah. should we just, we say winner takes all. You you got there. We know it was 3-3, yeah. but you got the bonus question at the end, yeah. which was in course Welsh. What a way to, to end out the episode. You was, that was a, you came back from a 3-1 deficit at one point. That was... Pour some out for the Welsh. Like, I mean, really. Wales has saved you once again, not yeah. for the first time on this no, podcast. No, exactly. Big fan of the Welsh, uh, of their petrol stations right outside of Cardiff. and uh, Some yeah. of the world's finest petrol stations. Absolutely. Or yeah. like thereof. Any parting shots for the listeners? Uh, nothing specific today other than thanks for joining us once again for the lost in postulation. We are back in the saddle after a little break, but yeah. we are ready to postulate stronger than ever. And coming up on the one year anniversary, looking forward to celebrating yeah. that. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in and look, spread the word as ever. We love when you do and love to hear from you. Thank you, listeners. Till next time.